Some of you guys know this is like the craziest time of my life right now, um, like right now. It, it's never been like this. Every day is just, just mounts with more like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Um, and yet I, I don't know the last time I've felt so much peace before God. I don't know, it's been a long time since I've been this excited and just full of life. Like, wow, God, this is great, this is great. You see, I was pastoring a church, a church that I started about 16 years ago. I actually pastored for over 16 years. And um, about four months ago, I, my wife and I just both felt like, the Spirit is leading us on to something different. And I, 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 we didn't know what exactly. We just both were just confirming, no, it's, it's time to go. There's something else. There are plenty of people to take care of this church here. And there are plenty of other places that no one wants to go. And so why wouldn't we go? I mean, it, just as from a pragmatic perspective, okay, you got all these shepherds in this one little city where everyone would love to get a job and everyone would love to raise their family. And then you've got millions of people in other places where no one wants to go. Doesn't it make sense that you would go? Especially when everything's taken care of and you go, you know what, it's gonna be okay, it'll be fine. I'm sure some people leave and go to another church. Big deal, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's time to go on. And, uh, and so we left about four months ago, not sure where the Lord was gonna lead us. And um, next Saturday, we, we leave for Asia. And uh, as a family, I've got four kids, my wife and four kids and we head for Asia. We're just gonna go all over the place there. I, I wanna learn from um, just these church movements I hear about there. Um, I also want to encourage some of the widows and orphans who have had their dads martyred because of their faith in Jesus. I think those should be our heroes, not, not singers, speakers, whatever, but these, these wives and these kids who watched their dads murdered because they believed in Jesus Christ. And I just wanna go and I just wanna love on them. I just wanna give them everything I can because those are the people on the earth that we should treat like kings. I wanna go over there because I'm hearing about these young girls that are being trafficked and it just drives me nuts. I just can't even handle that and, and it just, I just go, I gotta figure out what is the best way to care for these people. And then I'm hearing about these churches where, where, where it's not a bunch of people coming in a room listening to one guy speak, but everyone in these churches, they're making disciples and, and they're gathering sometimes in secret and they're just multiplying by the millions and, and, and everyone's just going, man, I, I'm, I, I, I I'm gonna, I'm gonna share the gospel, and I'm gonna disciple. I'm not gonna bring someone to a room and expect my pastor to lead them to the Lord, then my pastor will disciple them, and the staff will do this and raise their kids for them. No, but, but they, they, they take ownership, and they, they, they take the, the, you know, that Matthew 28, you know, they actually baptize, they actually make disciples, and it's grown like crazy, and I, I just wanna see, what, why is that? Why is that? What, what's going on? I wanna meet with these people, understand them. Why are we closing so many churches doors in America every week why are these churches dying in other places is flourishing and I believe I believe that God is going to call me back to America maybe in a couple months but but but, but we're totally free I, I don't I don't know I don't know what God's going to call me to and uh, I believe that I'm going to come back and 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 kind of hopefully start something new start you know I I, I just have this hunger I don't know if you ever have this desire. And listen, I'm not knocking big churches. I'm pastor of a big church. I, all my friends are pastors of big churches. I like big church. I cannot lie. Um, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's, it's this thing, though, 
where sometimes I just want to get away from everything and I just want to grab like a, a handful of people and just say, come over to my house and let's just pray like crazy, like pray like they did in the New Testament and really believe like supernatural, amazing things could happen just from our prayers. And then, and, wanna, and, then, and let's just go out and let's just start sharing with people and let's just try to make disciples and, and every week come back and tell me what do you do this week? What, what, what happened there? Tell me about it. What have you been learning in God's words? Encourage me. Tell me how your God has come through and let's just share stories of victory and let's just spread this thing and, 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 and just, just, just a more simple, raw form, something more that I, I see in scripture. I believe that, that, that the future of our country, I don't know if we'll be able to do this you know and it's like okay are we ready for that and I and I just believe that that's what God is maybe teaching me and having me go there but I don't know I could go there I couldn't because a few weeks ago my wife goes my wife goes honey if we're sure we're not supposed to be in Simi Valley any longer why don't we sell the house I said before we go to Asia she goes yeah and I go and then we won't even know we won't have a home to come home to like we won't have a home period she goes yeah I go man if you're cool with that I'm totally cool with that I thought you'd be like oh I want a house you know but but you're and and so we just sold our house and so I'm going home you know tomorrow no not tomorrow tomorrow I'm doing some house and then Monday and packing up the house and we leave in a week and so if we're in a certain country in Asia and we just feel like God wants us there we'll just stay there and uh, it's, it's just such an amazing feeling. It's, I, I, yeah, it's, it's so, it, doesn't it just sound fun? I mean, so it's my wife and I and our four kids, it's just, okay, God, because all my life I'll say, God, I'll go anywhere, but I always have obligations somewhere. And now it's like, wow, I have nowhere. And God, I can just go anywhere. Where's your spirit leading me? And I, and I want to be surrendered to say, okay, even though this is the worst place I've ever seen, but okay, I'll, I'll go, I'll stay. God, because, because you're calling me here. And I'm just so excited. I'm so excited, you know, by God's grace to have a wife like that, um, that just lives by faith, to have kids that are excited about it. You know, my oldest is a 14-year-old girl, you know? That's scary. A just 14-year-old girl is scary. Um, but then to, to say, you know, hey, here's what we're gonna do, and for her to be like my biggest, you know, support and uh, encouragement, it's just, you just go, this is ridiculous, this is amazing, God. Uh, what, a, what an exciting time in life. Um, but my wife made a great comment just maybe a week or two ago. She said, she goes, you know, ever since we made this decision, she goes, I, I read in the Bible and it seems very normal. Like I look at what we're doing, I'm going, well, that's really not that big a deal. She goes, but all my friends think I'm crazy. All my friends are saying things like, oh, I could never do that. Or, you know, that's irresponsible, this or that. And she goes, but how, why is it? She goes, am I missing it? She goes, when I read this book, it seems like that's, that's normal. So why does everyone think it's so weird? And it was so good, and I was like, honey, you know, you're right, because whenever I think biblically, just biblically, when I just look at the Bible, when I look at the New Testament, man, I'm, I'm with you, honey. I'm just going, yeah, of course. And that's lame. That's not even a step of faith, what we're doing. 
But whenever I take my eyes off of this book and I just think like an average American, yeah, it's crazy. It's insane, I even get scared. But when I think biblically, I go, well, this is ridiculous, it's not even a step of faith. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's insane how people are saying, wow, that's so radical. But if you read the Bible, is it really radical? I mean, seriously, Wait, I mean, here's what I was thinking. I mean, if you put my life in, into the book of Acts, okay, so you're reading Acts 7, Okay, I'm on Acts 7, I just turned, and it says, okay, here's, here's Stephen, Stephen full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God. Okay, this is when everyone stones Stephen to death, and you're reading that, and, and, and he's falling on his knees, and he cries out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep, and he dies. And then there was a man named Francis, a Chinese man who went to Asia. (laughs) You would read that and go, wow, now that's radical. (laughs) No way, that is insane. Let me get the highlighter out. (laughs) You guys, are you getting a glimpse of what I'm talking about? Like it's. What I want, at the end of my life, I want my life to fit in this book. I I don't want to, see, that would be weird to put my life in the book of Acts. See, we're we're kind of confused with what's weird and what's normal biblically. We're not thinking with biblical mindsets. And we're not really thinking, gosh, does your life fit in here? Who is the weird one? Who is the strange one? Man, I, 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 was in a, I was in London just a couple months ago and I was speaking and, and, and I had a couple of hours free in, in this one city called Oxford. I'd never been there and, I, and I've never been into church history but when you're there and they teach you right there on the spot, it was very exciting to me. And, and this, this professor was just showing me and pointing and you know, and Oxford's just, I didn't know there was so much history there and he was explaining, oh, you know, John Wesley was over here, you know, and, and Whitfield came out of that apartment, he came running you know, he's just showing me. I'm like, wow, right there. And C.S. Lewis, you know, he, this is where he went to school. And every day he would have walked out here and seen this picture. And it was this picture of this lion, you know, and, 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 you know, and all these little creatures. I'm like, wait, that was in the movie. That was in the movie. You know, that's where he came up with all this stuff, you know, and, and, and just showing me all these things. But then he was showing me, you know, in the, in the middle of the street, there was this one barren spot. You know, it's all asphalt. You know, cars are going by, but there's one, you know, brick spot. And he says, that's the spot where uh, they burned uh, Cranmer and uh, Ridley and uh, uh, Latimer to death, you know, where, where believers killed these guys for their faith, you know. And he was telling me about the architecture in some of these buildings where he says, you know, what's sad is, our buildings are an indictment against us. He says, in some of these buildings, you'll see these, these, little, these little slits on the walls that were built in that way. And, and these were called squint holes because the church did not allow lepers into their buildings. And so, so there was these little holes that they could stand outside and they could squint and just kind of see what was going on inside. 
And he goes, it's just embarrassing. We, we started talking about uh, the Crusades and he was explaining how embarrassing it was. Just the conduct of some of these Christians who were killing in the name of Christ. He talked about slavery and how it was the church that was fighting for slavery. Everyone in the church was fighting for slavery. And I'm hearing all of this thinking, wow, that's so weird. How could the church be like that? How could the church burn people to stake? How could the church itself, you know, not care for the lepers? You know, how, how did the church, you know, demand slavery? How did the church go kill in the name of Christ? That, that's so sick. I was reading, I've been reading this book by Erwin uh, Lutzer, and he was talking about, there's this testimony of this, this guy who was around during the, the Holocaust, and he talked about how his church backed up to the railroad tracks. And Sunday morning, they hated it because during worship service, the train would go by and they, they could hear the Jews screaming so loud, knowing that they were about to be killed. And these guys are in the church and they said every time they heard that train coming, they would start, they would pull out the hymnals and start singing hymns. And so when the train got closer and closer, they would just sing at the top of their lungs to drown out the voices. And he just writes, he goes, he goes I don't know if it's bugging anyone else, but I still hear those voices, it drives me nuts. What were we thinking? And so, you know, I'm, I'm hearing all this stuff, I'm reading this stuff, and, and I'm just going, gosh, that's so weird. That's so embarrassing that that's our heritage, that these are the people that, that call themselves followers of Christ. But then for the first time, I thought, If I lived there, would I have been able to stand against everyone and say, no, this is weird, this is wrong, this is not biblical. Could I have done it? And then I started thinking, wait, what is weird about us right now that maybe we don't see? Because when everyone is doing it, you don't understand that it's weird till later in life. Then you look back and go, wow, that was weird, and I was sucked into that, I didn't even think about it, I never looked at it biblically. But it made me look back and go, okay, what's, what's going to be weird about my generation and, 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 and growing up in, in California in the church for the last 20, 30 years? You know, 50 years from now, if they look back at that generation, what will be weird biblically? Think about this. That was the first time I thought about it. I, maybe because I was away from America and I'm looking back and I'm going, okay, what is going to look weird? If I were looking, if I was reading about the church in, in the U.S., in this book, and I read about a church, think about a church where, where you go, wow, in this country during this time, man, people would go from church to church based upon a speaker and his style of teaching, and that people would leave because of music. And the style of music, or they sang too long, or people would leave because of service times, or they'd get in a fight with one person and go to another place, and oh, this place had better childcare, this place had a bowling alley, this place. You, you just, seriously, if you read that, wouldn't you go, that is so weird. That is so strange. And these people would sing and sing and, and make you know, all sorts of money through their, their books and through their songs and everything else. Meanwhile, there's people that are dying right down the street. Meanwhile, people are starving to death. Meanwhile, you know, people are just looking for clean water. You know, kids getting raped, everything else. You would read and you go, wow, that's really weird. 
that group of people back then. And so I'm just looking at it and going, man, I don't, I, I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna fool myself. I think if I read about people who are consumed with their retirement, you know, what, what if we read about the Christians during Nazi Germany? And everyone's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm worried about my retirement. Really? That's what, you're, that's what they were thinking about? You'd go, what a bunch of idiots. And I'm just looking at my life. I, like I said, you know, with Keith and everything, I don't want to fool myself. I don't want to just go with the flow. And I, I can make excuses for everything. I can justify anything. I've been to seminary. I, I, you know, seriously. I know how to make the Bible say something and uh, say whatever I want it to say. Um, and, you, you know, but... I'm going to stand before God one day, I, I, right? And none of this is going to matter. I mean, it's awesome that you guys are here and, you know, came to hear me. I feel encouraged by you guys. I seriously do. But at the end of the day, I, I think this could be my last day on earth and I'm going to stand before God. And none of this is going to matter. That's just, was I faithful? Did I, did I do or did I fool myself? Did I get caught up in some of this fame? Did I get caught up in, oh, you know what? You, you know, look, look at how many people are listening or watching or reading or whatever. Man, I just don't want any of that. I don't want any of that, that, that glory, whatever else. I just want to fit in this book. And, and I, I know I've fooled myself in the past. And I know I've done weird things that don't make any sense. And I'm just praying, God, help me open my eyes. Because, man, ever since I was a kid and started reading this book, I, I didn't have a total peace because what I'd read in this book was so different from what I experienced in church. And, and it's always bugged me. It's like, oh, I don't know, it's so different. It's so different. It's so different. That's why I feel more peace than I ever have because it's like, wow, this is, okay, this is starting to make sense now. And now, okay, I, I think we're on a right trajectory now. Now I think, okay, I, I think I might fit here pretty soon. I, I, I think I'm, I'm going to start walking like Jesus. I'm start caring for the poor. And it's weird that the hard thing is, I mean, you guys know with Twitters and blogs and Facebook and every, all this social networking and everyone just talking, talking, talking. Every once in a while, I, I, I try not to look at anything, you know, because I'll either get a big head or want to kill myself. And so I just like, I don't want to hear what anyone's saying but every once in a while, accidentally, you know, someone will go, hey, did you hear about this? I'm like, oh, no, don't. okay, okay, tell me. Okay, where is it? I'll look. And you start reading all the comments, and, 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 I, and I check my heart on this. I don't, I don't really care. I, like, I, I know all sorts of things are said about me, good or bad and whatever. And that's not what I'm about to, why I'm about to say what I'm about to say. Um, there's no way to defend my actions um, because I don't really care. <laughs> about me, but my concern is, is lately as I've talked more about caring for the poor and really wanting to just give my life over to, I, I just want to be in a place where, I don't know, I, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy 
the thought of rescue. I enjoy the thought of, you know, taking someone out of, you know, isn't that what Jesus did for us? And so I think he puts that heart in us. I mean, don't you desire that? Don't you desire to give your life for that? But as I've done that, there have been different comments where people just go, wow, that's, that's just so radical, or that's, others are saying it's, it comes out of a strange theology. strange theology see and the reason why i want to address this is because if you buy into that the moment you can write off any of my giving any of my actions any of my concern for the poor and say oh that's a weird theology then suddenly you don't have to deal with it and suddenly it's not exemplary in any way it's like okay that's for those weird radical strange and i'm looking at scripture going gosh i don't think this is strange at all I think it's strange if we don't care for the poor and give our lives for the poor. From what I read in this book, and, and, and granted, granted, I, I am very simple-minded, okay? I always have been, I promise. I, I, I even think back, do you remember, I think it's seventh grade, it might have been ninth grade, might have been eighth grade, somewhere in there, where, where they had us read those um, like short stories and, and little things that, um, that were symbolic, Remember the short stories we would read and everything was symbolism. And I was the kid that never saw any of that. <laughs> I don't know if any of you can relate, but we'd come back and they'd go, well, tell me about the story. I'd go, oh, this guy falls off a cliff and he just bursts, you know, and, you know, and flies are swarming him. It was awesome. And, okay, but what does that mean? I go, I mean, he fell, he'd hurt. And, <laughs> What do the flies represent? Well, that's what happens when someone dies. You know, and, and, you know, and all the other kids are going, oh, no, you know, the flies represent, you know, the, the societies. You know. I'm like, what? I could have sworn that we're reading the same book. I mean, anyone else have that issue? Like, I would just read things, and it would just be whatever I read, that's what the story was about. I never really thought beyond it. I, I, I don't know if certain minds think that way, more artistic, abstract. For me, it's like black and white. That's what it says. And so I understand that, the, you know, these scriptures that I read, I just look and go, Gosh, it seems like that's what he's saying. And again, I know people that are way more intelligent than I am, and they can, they can, they can all show me why it doesn't really mean what it says. But for me, I read the Bible, and I go, gosh, it seems like it's pretty simple. And, and I think as I've been sharing some of those things, it's struck a chord with a lot of people, going, yeah, that's the way I always saw it too. And maybe we work really hard at making the Bible say what we want it to say rather than being, I mean, there's some things I, I kind of wish it didn't say, but as I read it, I go, no, that's, that's what it says. You know, 1 John 3, verse 16 says, by this we know love. He laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. See, when I read that, it just seems like what the Bible says is, here Jesus was, here he had everything in heaven, and he lays down his life for us. And now he says, we who are followers of him, ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. 
In fact, he says, if you have the world's goods and you see people who are in need and you, you, don't, you close your, you, you know, your resources off to this person, he asks the question, how in the world could the love of Christ be in you? Because the love of Christ is you let go. You don't consider equality with God something to be held on to. You don't consider all your stuff, money, things you hold on to. You lay it down. You ought to just lay it down just like Jesus laid it down. He goes, in fact, if you don't lay it down, he goes, how in the world could the love of Christ be in you? See, I read that and I go, okay, it seems like what he's saying is that's a natural thing for us as believers. When the Spirit comes into us, we have this heart. So I don't think it's a weird theology. I just go, well, that kind of squares. When I read Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, it's somewhat terrifying. It says, behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. What was the guilt of Sodom? It says, she and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. It says, here's the sin of Sodom. The sin of Sodom is that they were arrogant and they had this excess of food, prosperous ease, and they didn't care for the poor and the needy. That's their sin. You know, there are millions of people on the earth that have no concept of the word leftovers. Do you know how many millions of people would be shocked at a society that's consumed with weight loss? Like, that's just so foreign to them. They're just going, what are you... What are you talking about? That's what you guys are consumed with? Like you throw food away? You know, in in Jeremiah 22, verse 16, it says, He judged the cause of the poor and needy. Then it was well. Is not this to know me, declares the Lord. He says, isn't this what it means to know me? this This is what he equates to knowing him. It's when you care for the poor and the needy. You guys know the passage in Matthew 25? I don't know if Jesus could make it any more clear, more vivid, more intense. In Matthew 25, he goes, look, when I come back and I have all of my angels with me, could you just picture that in your head right now? Imagine right now, Jesus coming out of the sky and all of his angels. When we read in Revelation 5, 100 million angels. Imagine looking up in the sky, 100 million angels, the Son of Man comes down. And he says, you know what I'm going to do? He goes, I'm going to judge the world at that moment, Matthew 25. I'm going to divide people up to the right and to the left based upon how they cared for the poor. To some, he's going to say, I, I, I was hungry. You didn't give me anything to eat. I was thirsty. You didn't give me anything to drink. I was... See, I, I read that and in verse 46, these will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I look at that and I go, God, how could you make it any more clear than that? Like, this is a huge part of us. God said, this is what it means to know me. If you don't do it, I don't know how the love of Christ could be in you. When Jesus comes back, that's what we're going to be judged upon. And you go, wow. Why? And, and I understand we're saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. But the sign of someone who's really been saved by the grace of God is that he cares for the poor. That's what it means to know God. In fact, if you don't, how could the love of Christ be in you? That's why at the end of your life he could judge you by that because well, obviously you didn't have the love of Christ in you. You didn't neglected these people. Luke 12, verse 33. 
Listen closely to this one. It's a little confusing. Luke 12, verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. I, I gotta look that up in the Greek. I'm not sure what it means. <laughs> Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Luke 14, verse 13. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Just a command. Have you ever done that? Right before, he says, what I don't want you to do is invite your friends and people who can pay you back. We're going to have a feast. Oh, it's my turn to pay for dinner. No, it's my turn. Come on, give me the bill. No, 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 it's my turn. He says, you know what, just forget all of that. He goes, when you have a feast, invite the people who can never pay you back. And have you ever done that in your life? Contribute to the needs of the saints and show hospitality, Romans 12, 13. I love the way Psalm 37 makes it because it's just, it's an awesome thing to do. Psalm 37, verse 25, David says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Isn't that a great promise? David goes, look, I am one old geezer, you know, and I remember being a little kid, and I remember growing up and just take it from this old man. One thing I've never seen is the people that are generous, I've never seen their kids begging for bread. God always takes care of them. Proverbs 19, 17 says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deeds. Proverbs 28, 27 says, whoever gives to the poor will not want but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. Proverbs 21, 13 says, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. It's just like in Isaiah 58 when the people are fasting and God goes, I'm not gonna listen to you. You're not helping the poor. But he goes, you start doing some of those things. He goes, then when you call out to me, I'll say, here I am. I love that verse. God says, okay, if you start caring about the things I tell you to care about, then when you pray to me, I'll go, here I am, what do you want? What do you want? And let me just stop with that thought because okay, sometimes I um, sometimes I, I, I feel like that that blind man, someone close that door, they're all yelling in Chinese or something. It's, is, is it? Are they speaking another language? I'm trying, I'm like, I'm like so ADD, so everything like draws my attention. I love it, you know. But um, they're fighting. Thank you. Um, uh, do you guys get that way? Or you just can't focus? It's just something. Um, uh, what was I talking about? What? Oh, Isaiah 58, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 the, the hearing, the, I, I hear if the, okay, 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 here I am, I hear, okay, and then I said, okay, let me stop right there. Um, because, okay, here's why, there, there was a point there. If I don't hurry, I'm gonna forget it. Um, just give me a second. 
Okay, okay, okay. Um, okay, sometimes, sometimes I feel like that guy in, uh, in John chapter 9. Remember in John chapter 9 when the guy is blind and Jesus heals him? And the religious authorities bring him up before him. They go, you tell us who healed you. And how did he do it? You know? Wait, no, no, tell us again. You know, okay, so you were born blind. You know, you, you've been blind for all these years. Your parents can attest to it. Okay, now how? And this guy's going, look, I don't know. Look, I don't know how to answer your question. I don't know what you're asking. Because all I know is I was blind. This guy came along, and I see you now. You know, it's like, <laughs> what, what more do you want? And, and, and I love that passage because this guy's just like, it's just very simple to me. This guy came along and he just changed my whole life. I've been in darkness forever and he just, just radically changed me. And, and why I say that that passage is, is just really important to me right now is I know there's some of you in this room that if, if we got in a debate about whatever theologically, you'd win. Whether you're right or wrong, you would win. You know, you're just more intelligent than I am. Okay, some of you just are. You're better debaters, whatever. I don't claim to be the greatest, you know, uh, mind on the planet. Uh, but, I, but sometimes I just feel like that blind man where I go, look, all I know is all these verses about caring for the poor and God rewarding and caring for you and looking after you and listening to your prayers. I swear to you, man, ever since God put in my heart to really care about people who are in need, it's like all my prayers are just like supernaturally answered. Like he hears me like never before. I'm, I'm, I'm living like a miracle right now. I'm looking at my life and I'm just going, God, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? I mean, there's times where my wife and I will just, we'll just talk and we'll just start crying going, why is God so good to us? Why does he answer this? Why does he do that? You know, Jeremiah 9 talks about how, man, if you're gonna boast, don't boast about your wisdom, your might, your riches, but boast that you know me, you know? And that's all I wanna say is, it's like, I can't answer all your questions. I, there's so many things I don't understand. One thing I do understand is when we pour our lives out for people, it's like God really listens. I, my life is a, a miracle. I, I was a mess. Man, I've done so many offensive things in my life, and I don't know how to explain it all. I just know that at a moment in time, God came into my life, and I understood the grace of God. I understood that everything I ever did was gonna be forgiven. And then he rescued me. And then there were more and more moments of clarity where I finally understood, when he loves me like his own kid. Like right now, God looks down at me right now, and he goes, I, I love him. I'm like, God, God, the one who's letting us all breathe, the God who made everything, I mean, the only one who matters. He's crazy about me, and he rescued me. And so as I just go, man, I wanna be like that. I wanna go, I wanna rescue, I wanna be like you. I wanna care, I wanna pour. I would love to just pour everything out to other people. So the end of my life, I've just got nothing. I'm just worn out, like blah, here's everything. Just like you did, just like you did. And then just like you were raised up to the right hand of God, that somehow I'd 
sit on that throne with you. It's like that's very attractive to me. Does that mean my flesh doesn't? Of course my flesh fights against it at times. But ultimately I want to be like Jesus. I want to end it that way. And I don't want to fool myself. Can I justify and find people that say, oh, it's okay to buy this. It's okay to have all these things. Sure, you you can find it. You can find it if you work hard enough. But at the end of your life, don't you want to look like Jesus? And isn't he more than a savior? He's, he's, he's a role model. He's, he's the one we want to be like. Anyone who claims to know him should walk as Jesus walked.